Hello and welcome to the Save Your Game podcast. This is the podcast where I talk to people from in and out of the gaming universe about the games that have defined their lives. My guests will choose three games that fit this bill. We'll be talking about when they played them, why they played them, and all the things they loved about them. But you know the drill by now, friends. At the end, there can only be one. After discussing all three games, I'm going to force my guest politely, because I'm British, you know, to make an agonising decision. They must choose their one game to be saved for the Save Your Game podcast and be immortalised forever. Uh, uh. Can we put some echo on that? No? Okay, well, I'm going to carry on then. My name is Frankie Ward. You might know me from hosting esports events or, or gaming things like the PC Gaming Show at E3 each year. If you don't, that is no problem whatsoever because this podcast is not about me. It is about my guests and we have a very special one today. But before we get started, if you love gaming as much as we do, there's so much game related stuff that you can dive into over at redbull.com. And you can also use the redbull.com website to get acquainted with our previous games and the games that they have saved. My next guest on the show is an esports bastion who helps lead one of the biggest gaming brands in the world. If I'm not mistaken, in fact, the biggest esports organization in the world. I am talking about T1 and I am, of course, talking about their CEO, Joe Marsh. Joe, welcome to Red Bull Save Your Game. How are you today? Thanks, Frankie. I, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you, but we've got to judge you, maybe harshly, <laughs> because I need to know what you're playing at the moment. I need to know what kind of gamer you are. So, I mean, I grew up playing a lot of console-based games. I never like, you know, could afford a, a gaming PC growing up in, outside of Philadelphia. So I was playing a lot of console, ba- uh, but once I got into T1, you know, the, the benefits of being a CEO is you know, all the gear that comes your way. So uh, I've been, I tried playing League of Legends, did that poorly for a little bit, got some advice from Faker, couldn't execute on that advice. So I moved on. So now I'm playing a lot of Valorant. Um, you know, I've been playing a little bit of Fortnite with my wife uh, and during some downtime. Yeah, that, that's been pretty much it. Two questions I now need to ask then. First of all, quickly, what was the advice that Faker gave you? Because I clearly need it too. <laughs> uh, Faker, he said after watching me stream, he told me to farm and don't die. And I was not able to heed that advice. I also need to ask you what it was like when you first tried playing WASD keys and getting a mouse in your hand as opposed to a controller. Because I remember personally my first time, I think I was trying to play Overwatch at the Twitch office where I worked at the time. This was a few years ago. And I, I tried kind of playing a, a bit of PC game of kind of first person shooters in the past, but I hadn't really had people to play with. And suddenly I had this whole office with amazing equipment and I found it so hard. And I was like to my friend, Ian, I think I'm going to play with a controller. And he said, I will disown you and never speak to you again. <laughs> so I had to learn the hard way. How did you learn? So uh, actually, same as you, uh, Overwatch was the first game I actually played on PC. We uh, we bought the Philadelphia Fusion uh, back in season one. So uh, when I went to the team house, they were kind of showing me the ropes. Um, but the the mouse wasn't the hard part. I think it was kind of like the movement on the keys and like not fat fingering like the wrong button, which I do quite a bit, uh, especially in the league. Uh, that that's still the hardest part, and and then obviously aiming is just, if you're not good at aiming, it's you can do the aim bots and stuff, but it's there's no hope when you're at my age, uh, just missing targets left and right. At least with Overwatch, there's different abilities. What hero did you main during your Overwatch playing career? Oh, I was Reinhardt. Like it was just like walk around with the shield and like just stay in the way. Yeah, 
I like that. As a CEO, I know you're going back and forth between America and Korea. T1, of course, hugely well-known in the West, but especially in the East, in fact, because, of course, this legacy with T1 and uh, with the fact that you're multiple world's champions, you are an iconic brand. So, yeah, you have to split your time a lot. How has COVID changed things? I was very fortunate enough to, you know, even with COVID hitting and I was still able to get to Korea quite frequently. Um, you know, not norm- like normally in a normal year, I'd be there once a month. But yeah, there was a little bit more spaced out. So I kind of had to maximize my time there. But we built an entire facility in COVID. So an 11-story facility in Gangnam, three blocks ahead of Gen G's building. Uh, they're in the alley behind us. We can see them from our rooftop. Um, I bet you love looking down on Gen G. We, 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 we do. <laughs> it's, it's weird because like you, you drive, we, we drive our BMW wrapped cars down the street past their building and then they have their sponsored wrapped cars. It's like a lot of... It's very gaming centric, and also too, if, if you're if you ever been to Korea and seen gamers, you know you can spot a gamer because it's the dead of winter and they're wearing shorts, slides, and a big puffy coat, so you know that they're a pro gamer. Um, but you know, we we spent 2020 kind of building out the the T1 infrastructure after the transaction with Comcast and SKT signed great sponsors and partners. We added more game teams and. While the world was shutting down, as you know, esports was really thriving, minus live events, which is obviously unfortunate because, you know, especially in Korea for us, the, the, the home crowd is, is, is pretty substantial for us. And then 90% of the crowd is usually T1 fans. And, but it, w- it was great to be able to still grow the business, um, you know, get into new games and, and just kind of you know, build out in proper infrastructure to like, you know, future proof us, so to speak. But I'm looking forward to a time where we can actually get back to live events. The live esports experience is just second to none from a from a sporting perspective. So just want to get back to normal there and get some crowds and, and see the fans again and just be able to interact and, you know, not be on the Zoom calls all day. What was your first interaction with esports? Did you know about it before Comcast moved into the Overwatch League? Yeah, I was like aware of it. Like, I, I mean, I played games growing up, but I never thought like, hey, I could have a career in, in video games or esports. And then once we bought Overwatch, it kind of really like just dove into it. I was uh, probably the youngest guy on our floor by like 20 years. So naturally, I was probably a, a, a better fit to, to get into the gaming space. But it's been awesome. I think it keeps you younger. It's It's just... It's very much like traditional sports, but it's also not. And I think the things that are not like traditional sports make esports that much more fun. And the community aspect, like the way you can build communities across multiple digital platforms. And then when those communities meet uh, in person, it's pretty unique seeing like, hey, I'm, I'm like cute cat 95 and I'm like Thor guy. And it's like you meet up and it's like a lot of that. And it's cool to see because a lot of you know esports fans, you know, they might be introverted, and then but the, the bonding around the you know cosplay or the teams, like it brings something out of them that you know it's it's their own, and it's it's really cool to see. And you know, as a as a father of two girls, like you want to empower you know people in the space. And I think obviously we as an industry we have, we have a long way to go. But one of my goals as the CEO of T1 is to leave the space off better than when I got here, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm doing okay. And there's more work to do, but just trying to do my part. We've got to talk about your past with gaming, Joe, because you're here to discuss some of your favorite games. And at the end of the podcast, you're going to choose just one to save. But before we get into this arduous task, I say arduous, it's going to be fun too. It's just very, very serious. We take it very seriously here on Save Your Game. 
I do want to ask what your first gaming memory was. You've mentioned you were a console guy from an early age. Yeah, so obviously like I played Nintendo was my first system I had. So, you know, playing Mario. But the first like good gaming memory I have was beating uh, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. That was my first time. I was like, oh, this is like pretty fun because I did that from, you know, from scratch myself and didn't use any cheats. But that was my first kind of gaming experience you know, in, a, in a non-competitive way. Did you have any brothers or sisters you were playing with? Uh, yeah, so I have a, I have an older brother we played games with. So we you know we were like we we're like two and a half years apart, which is kind of cool. You can like rival each other because back then there was only like two players you know, early on in the in the late eighties and nineties there. So uh, it wasn't until like later in life you had the online play, which kind of opened up a whole new can of worms. Joe, speaking of multiplayer games, we are going to get started with a Stone Cold Classic. <laughs> I imagine you played with your brother and friends alike because the first game you're considering saving is GoldenEye on the N64. <laughs> GoldenEye, one, it was a cool movie, but for the game itself, it was just like my first experience with being able to play with your buddies. The original LAN right there where you could play the four player game with each had a little box on the screen. And I remember playing that game till, you know, three, four, five in the morning with my buddies. We'd get some pizza and walk back to the house and play and it was just a fun experience. I cannot believe no one has said this game yet. I actually went back and played it back in 2018 and like the graphics are, I mean, like just so bad compared to today's game. It was like so blurry. I didn't even know what we were looking at and the controller was like super clunky, but like back in the heyday and was it 2000, I don't even know, six, I don't know, nine. 1997 is when it was oh released. Oh my God, 1997? Yes, so. yes. It was one of the original um, N64 titles because I believe the N64 came out in 96. So certainly yeah. an early title for the platform. Yeah, so like I was like, uh, it was like eighth or ninth grade and I just remember like a fun, it was like the first time you could actually have fun with your buddies because a lot of times it was like a one player game and you know, you're playing like a, a sports game, but this was the first time like you had a first person shooter. Obviously PC had Doom and like that kind of stuff, but it was just such a dope game at the time. And like you could pick your different character and, you know, I, I just, it was always fun to play that and get bragging rights for the, the rest of the week when you go back to school. Did you normally win? I was actually not that bad uh, back in the day, you know, except for like when you got Golden Gun, like I was, I was terrible at that, but I was definitely a, like a, you know, a spray and pray kind of, uh, you know, player. But with Goldeneye, like with the different maps, you can like, there was like a lot of hiding positions. So like you would just like pop out, especially if you were odd job and then like, you just like take them down. But I wasn't the best, but I, was, I wasn't I was also the worst like I am currently today. We probably should talk about odd job and why it was bad manners or BM to pick him. What exactly about odd job made him so flipping annoying when someone else picked him? <laughs> yeah, he was like an inch tall on the screen. So like, oh, it was like it's like watching feet with a hat. So it's like you couldn't really like kill him. So it was like frustrating. You're trying to shoot him and they get to shoot down. It, the, the whole mechanics of how you would take him out, which is different than every other character in the game. So you're kind of going back to yours after school with your friends and, and getting some sessions in? Yeah, I was probably like, what, like 14-ish? Uh, yeah, in that in that range. God, I was so young. I wish I would go. I would love to go back to like fourteen. Like no, no care in the world, no bills, no, no responsibilities. Just playing video games and eating pizza and cheesesteaks. Oh man, me too. So, so was your life kind of your social life centered around the console, or were you also playing sports as well? I mean, I haven't had that American high school education. Everything I know about it comes from obviously movies and some TV shows. <laughs> I'm definitely too old to watch, but still kind of do. Uh, so yeah, what was what was life like back then when you were playing this game? Uh, 
Yeah, no, I was playing playing sports. You know, grew up playing. You know, a sport a season. So you know, obviously football, baseball, basketball. Uh, I did taekwondo. I was a black belt in that. Uh, so very active in, in traditional sports. That's why, like, I think I've transitioned so well, like in in real life, with being a CEO of a gaming team because I, I did traditional sports, but I also was like a gamer. So it kind of bridged both lines because like your gaming friends are different than your sports friends, but both sides played games so you could like intermingle those groups if, if that makes sense so you know if you were the nerdy guy or the or the jock like everyone played games and a lot of the times the nerdy guys uh are pretty good at games so it, it was like that equalizer for them they're not gonna throw a football 70 yards but they'll, they'll smoke you in goldeneye sounds like you're kind of a hybrid a bit of a social butterfly yeah i was definitely the class clown type i was uh you know like to use humor as an icebreaker. I hate awkward silence. So I'd rather just keep saying words versus like, let it be silent. So I, I, I try to bridge society in that sense. Um, but I was more, I'm very much and still am like, I'd rather have one really good friend than a hundred acquaintances, you know, for me. But yeah, no, I, I try to get along with, with, with most everybody. Do you think that ability to almost shapeshift between different scenes and, and, and different cultures has helped you in your job? with T1, given that you are kind of going across the world all the time? <laughs> uh, I think so. I think my, my, my wife likes to joke that like I'm a chameleon. Like I know enough about like a lot of topics where I can like get along for a conversation for like five minutes. But like if you go past that, like we're talking about car engines, I could say like one fun fact. But like if you ask me a follow up, I'm going to wilt. Um, but I, I think, yeah, no, being able to, to mix in different cultures, especially in gaming where the, the culture in Korea is much different than the culture in the West. Um, it's been su- super helpful uh, from my upbringing of just being around different people and, and, and kind of interacting for sure. So tell me about the way that you used to play GoldenEye, if you can remember. I know we're going back to the 90s here, but it is one of your three picks for the podcast. So I imagine you do have some specific memories. Is there a particular character or loadout you went with that guaranteed success? Yeah, well, for me, I'd love to be James Bond. You know, it, when I got to go to the BMW factory, they showed me his car from Gold. It was in it was in the museum, Z28 or whatever it is. But like James Bond, I like to have the AK-47, like the assault rifle, easy to do. I played the game like two different ways. When I was by myself, and this is like going to date me, I, I would listen to my Walkman, listening to like uh, Third Eye Blind, which is like, I don't know why that was what I was listening to, but there I was. Uh, and then when I was with my buddies... It was in like this kid named Greg Goldman's basement playing with the four of us. Uh, like I said, eating pizza and then playing GoldenEye. And it's just, those are the, those are how I gamed. Like, I don't know. Like I, I remember sitting on my family's like living room playing games and like people have to step over me cause I'm like on the floor. Like instead of being the human and sitting on a couch or something, I was just like on the floor. Me and my sister used to be exactly the same though. She had an N64 and we'd always be just like that far from the TV. It's like some FPS players, you see them so close up to their monitors. That was us, you know, with our four by three TV back in the day. (laughs) Well, it's funny because like, I'm like, even when I, how I watch League of Legends now, like if you, it's like people hate watching with me because I stand up like I make people, like I'm very superstitious. Like in, when we were in Korea last trip and we were playing Don Juan, like I had to have a rule of two, like two people had to stand up uh, at all times. And if like someone sat down, like someone else in the stand-up. So like I had LS with us watching and he, he's like, oh, I'll stand up with you. And like midway to the match, he sits down. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we're losing right now. Get back up. So like, I'm very into like standing and watching. It's very like, 
you know, it, I guess it sucks for everybody else to like have to like follow the rule, but I, it, it might help them win. So I don't know. You got to stand, get close to the TV. It's like in, in soccer or uh, football to our British listeners, right? Where you see your manager and your coach on the sidelines standing. I can understand that. I can understand and respect that superstition. So you mentioned you were playing at home. So you actually played the single player. You weren't just all about that multiplayer life. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta beat the game first. You have to run through it, and, you know, go through the whole scenario, and then you can appreciate the multiplayer because you're seeing all the all the characters along the way. But even when I play like Call of Duty, like I'd always want to like beat the game first and then go play online play. Was this the first first person shooter you played? Because you were not PC gaming at the time, so I'm just wondering if if this was your first experience with that genre. Uh, I think it was, yeah, because I played a lot of sports titles, like because I was like a jock, so like a lot of like Madden and uh, NCAA football. So I did play a lot of those type of games. So, yeah, this was my first like first person shooter that I actually liked to play. And did it get you into the genre and make you go, oh, okay, I'd like to try some more of this? Yeah. So like as like the tech got better and PlayStation came out, like for me, like Call of Duty was like the game. Like in college, it was like my version of GoldenEye because we would like open the doors in the in the dorm and like talk through the bathroom and like and then and, and, you know talk trash to each other that's incredible the one thing i do love when you look back at games like goldeneye or even some of the call of duty titles that the older ones was being able to play split screen i really miss being able to sit yeah. on a sofa and even just playing two-player like campaign can you imagine like a world today where like I, you would always say cl- claim someone's like cheating and like looking at your screen because like, you had four in Goldeneye you had four boxes it's like a little tiny box but I, I mean I I just like that would be cool to see two high level professional players playing on split screen because like they're they process information way quicker than a normal player does so like, how would they deal with like a split screen scenario in a competitive game it'd be pretty cool to see it would be really cool there you go that's an idea we need to do some old school classics like Goldeneye and see how the pros fare it's a good idea We'll set that up with you too. <laughs> there it is. So why could Goldeneye on the N64 potentially be the game that you save as part of Save Your Game, the Red Bull Gaming Podcast today? I just think it's a game that, you know, for me, just brings back like really fun memories of like my childhood, right? It's when like you have the the, the innocence. That was my game of innocence, right? You're just hanging out with your friends, carefree. And uh, that was my first time I really cared about like a specific game enough to like pack your console with you to your friend's house, the kind of deal. So yeah, I just think it's very sentimental in that sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think that the next game is gonna be sentimental too. And it's not necessarily the biggest jump. In a way, I suppose, GoldenEye set the foundation for games like this, because the next game you're considering saving is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Yes. Originally released in 2007, COD 4 Modern Warfare is an FPS from the Call of Duty franchise, known as one of the mainstays of fast-paced FPS multiplayer battles. This version of COD is probably best known for its outstanding campaign and story and memorable characters. Players take on the role of Soap McTavish and work alongside fan favourite Captain Price to stop a Russian civil war from spilling out across the globe. All right, Joe, this is clearly one that you're especially passionate about. So tell us where you were when you were playing this game and what you were playing it on. I've never had Xbox. I'm always a PlayStation guy. Uh, This is sophomore year of college. You're free on your own and like you set your own timelines of like, do you wake up at this time or do you stay up to ungodly hours? And are you drinking an adult beverage or not? Like that's. That was college, and this was a game where 
everyone in the dorm thought they were the best Call of Duty player. And this was the first time where we could like, because the dorm had fast internet. So you could you could hardwire in and just play across the hall. And we would set up, you know, you know mini LANs and just have a blast playing that. It got super rowdy. And that was just one of those games that like, you know, after either before going out or after you come back or just on a lazy Saturday after going out the night before, uh, hammering Call of Duty all day with your buddies uh, was a was a national pastime back in uh, 2007. Did you actually get any studying done? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course I graduated. I have two <laughs> degrees, so. <laughs> but obviously this was a, form, a formative experience of your college years. Who was the person who introduced it to the dorm? Uh, it was my buddy Mike. You know, he played football growing up and everyone like, always wants that like, competitive juice. And you know, this was a game that, you know, the FPS genre, I think in general, it brings out like the, you know, oh, I can shoot you better or I shoot real guns. It's like, okay, let's play this game and how do you, see how you do. Did you shoot real guns before you play COD? Uh, I've shot before, but like not like, it's, like I didn't like take off hunting. Like in Pennsylvania, like some towns, like there's hunting is like a day you like, get off from school, like automatically where I wasn't from like one of those towns, but I have shot before. It's, it's, it's fun. I could never shoot like a real animal though. I'm, I'm more of like a paper target kind of guy. So tell me how you would describe this particular version of COD to a newcomer, because there's so many different versions of COD. This arguably is the landmark title in the series and COD 4 Pro Mod is what launched the careers of many players and also particularly esports personalities like Pansy and Machine, two of the biggest names out there today. They cut their teeth casting COD 4. So tell me what was special about it. With COD 4, like I think like the story mode, I think like that was like, I mean, they've always approved upon it, but I think that was, was like one of the best features of the game. And then also I think because the weaponry was like not a musket from 1985 or whatever. Like it was like high tech and you just like the weapons that soldiers are probably using in the future. It felt a little bit more real in that sense. So it was just a fun game to play because you're using like new tech and it got away from like the world war two era version of, of, of COD. And they really kind of brought it to like the forefront of where we are today. And like the accents are always weird. Cause it's, like, everyone's always British. And like most of these games, it's like, I think Conor McGregor's in one too. I know he's Irish, but like, all I think Kit Harrington might be one. Like all the good voice actors that seem to like, are British for some reason, and like the American voice is just like terrible, right? Like no one wants the American accent. Like you want like the good like you know British or Scottish accent. Like it has like you know some meat to it. I would enjoy watching like the cutscenes, even though it takes like extra time. Like you don't skip it. You kind of enjoy the 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 cinematic portion of it. And I think you know. A lot of that set the tone. I wish they'd make a good Call of Duty movie, by the way. Like they should make a movie of that. Like Netflix. I know you're like you're you're buying a lot of stuff right now. Like go buy a COD franchise and that'd be great. I like right. the idea. Definitely you need yeah, pitching. Cool. But why is this one for you the most important? Is it because of the memories or is it because of the game itself? Like why is this not be bettered by other COD titles? I think it's it's partly the memories, partly the, I think the game was just fun to play. I think FPS is, like lends to like a fun uh, competitive, you know, it takes away from doing physical activities so you can like compete on the games. But I think it was a lot of it has to do with memories, just being able to play with, with, with your friends at the time. And it's kind of like a snapshot of life in that sense. Do you have any favorite memories? Maybe it was a like spectacular victory over everyone else. Uh, yeah, we, it was, it was definitely a win. We did like a, like a two on two, like dorm competition, you know, for like 50 bucks, whatever, which is like 
in college. It's a, a lot of money. We won that once. So the handles of Vladimir's and whatever were, were, were flying off the shelves that night. Do you still play COD? I, I played Warzone. Yeah. So I, I was playing Warzone for a bit. Uh, I'm not that good at Warzone, unfortunately. So it's not as fun. And I, you know, it's especially when everyone's really good or stream sniping. For me, it's like... Uh, just driving the helicopter around. It's like half the battle. I just want to fly the helicopter around. It's Call of Duty meets Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, T1 does have a COD mobile team. So would you ever consider entering the Call of Duty League in a franchised team spot? Uh, Yes, I would probably enter a COD before we would do CSGO. I just think that it would make more sense. And, and CSGO, like you're... If you don't, you're going to be overpaying for like the best. You have to buy everyone away from all the top it's teams. Expensive. So, mm. yeah. So at least, at least with COD, you have a chance to kind of build something. And a lot of people do play you know, COD in, in America. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I if they went away from the geo based model, it'd be even more enticing to do and go centralized. And whether it's Texas or Chicago or somewhere else, but not LA because it's expensive. But uh, yeah, definitely not opposed to it. So in other words. You're not going to have a soul-based Call of Duty team anytime soon. Uh, no, FPS. It's funny. FPS games in Korea are, are not it. Like, it's just, you look at the history of it. It's just, you know, MOBAs are bust. What do you think is the number one thing that players should bear in mind before they attempt to jump into a game of Call of Duty? Maybe they're jumping into the 2016 remastered version of, of COD 4 Modern Warfare. Don't run and shoot. Just the, the instinct is to, like, run and shoot. Just stand there and shoot and, like, dip down and, like, do that, you know, bob your head a little bit. Like my, my problem with every FPS game I play is like, I just want to like run and gun and you can't do that. It's a fine tip. I appreciate that one. So why could this game potentially be saved by you today? I think Call of Duty is one of the most um, iconic, you know, gaming franchises and all and, and everything. I think it's probably one of the top selling franchises of all time, if not the top. And even though the iterations change year over year and the community always has something to say about the latest version, uh, I just think it's a game that you know, brings in a, a pretty massive fan base and will always kind of be here to stay as a, as a mainstay in the, in the game space. Now, Joe, to support this podcast, we're putting together a special Save Your Game playlist of some of our favorite songs from the games we love. So, Joe, I'm wondering, is there any particular songs or soundtracks that come to mind? Tony Hawk Pro Skater, uh, Superman by Goldfinger. When the remake came out last year, I bought that in the heartbeat just for the soundtrack. I mean, that was like the ultimate gaming soundtrack. I don't think any other game even has today has beaten that, unless you're listening to it, your own playlist on the side. But that's the game for me from a music standpoint that kind of changed the game a bit like with having actual real music and artists in the game it was the first time actually enjoying a music soundtrack because a lot of times like a lot of the beeps and bops like beep 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 like this is like the real actual music that you would actually play in, in front of your friends so yeah tony hawk number one well that's what joe is saying but if you guys listening have got any ideas or suggestions for songs you'd like to include please send them into us via our socials at red bull gaming twitter or on the instagram you know what to do we're looking forward to hearing from you now, Joe, moving on, the next game you want to talk about focuses more on the competitive side of gaming on a broader scale. It is Valorant. 
created by Riot Games in 2020, Valorant is a team-based first-person hero shooter. Players play as one of a set of agents and are assigned to either the attacking or defending team, with each team having five players on it. These agents have unique abilities, each requiring charges, which cost in-game currency, as well as a unique ultimate ability that requires charging through kills, deaths, or planting slash defusing a device called the Spike. As an org, we got into Valorant when it was still Project A, and we signed the first pro in Brax. So it was just a game that we kind of earmarked. I mean, Riot knows how to build global esports, and we knew it was going to be a big game, you know, just like their fighting game that's coming out. So we knew we wanted to get into a big way. We wanted a Western asset, and we wanted to make a splash to go first. And uh, I love the game. I think it, it's definitely a combination of Counter-Strike, COD, and, and Overwatch in terms of the abilities. It plays more like a Counter-Strike in, in, in COD in the sense of like the gun mechanics, but I just think it is a cool game. Um, I, I do like the the bit of lore they're building into it, very much League of Legends-esque. You know, there's not a ton of agents yet, but there will be. There'll be more maps. I think once it's, you know, you get like a couple of years under the belt, it's, it's going to be to the point where you start picking and banning uh, who you can play like you do in League. And uh, I'm super excited about the future uh, of Valorant and, and glad we're part of the Valorant community. I, this is an interesting one, Joe, because when we were chatting to you before we started recording, you mentioned that you actually play Valorant quite regularly and you're playing it with your daughter as well, which is a quite a cool dad-daughter crack team up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, this is the first game that we've really like got into together she's 10 i think it's a it's a bonding thing for us a lot of it and like you know it sucks because she can't really have voice comms on other than me and we have to mute the chat and stuff like that given uh, how the games go sometimes but it, it's just fun to kind of you know be on comms together and like positioning and where to go and you know just hyping her up because you know you want to keep her uh, excited about the game and she plays uh she plays uh rays um and I uh, I play Breach right now because usually I play Raze, but like when she's there, she plays Raze and I'll play Breach to, to open up the entries for her. And uh, it's just a cool thing to like do together. Like she'll ask like, hey, do you want to play a want to play a game of Valorant? I was like, what am I going to say? No. I was like, of course I'll play. Like, um, so it's just been a fun, it, it, the work side of it, like the T1 side, like competitive, like we're trying to win championships and like do all that great stuff. But, like. For me, like the personal side of Valorant, like bonding with my daughter and like just getting to play and um, it's just, it's been really, really fun. You mentioned your wife plays Fortnite with you as well. Is the only reason she's not in the team as well because you need a third computer? No, exactly. We uh, we only have two PCs in the house. So it's just my, uh, my, my daughter and I. When I was in Korea, my wife hopped in a game uh, on my account. I think she got two kills, but... She's actually pretty good. She's a she's a Division One athlete, so she played the sports in college. So she's hyper competitive. Even when we play Fortnite, like she needs to get that victory royale. So uh, you know, if uh, if I can avoid playing with her, you know, she's she's she gets super hyped. So uh, I, if I don't perform well, uh, she lets me know. So you've always played games together. Yeah, like, especially during COVID too. It's even gotten more. Um, but it's just been cool because we have at the house we have like switches, we have PlayStation. So and with cross platform games now. Uh, you can play on all the different devices, but it's just fun. Like it's just something that because your day is stressful enough as it is with work and like to unwind just playing a video game. Uh, it's just it's just cool and it, you know happy you know happy couple that games together stays together. So it's just been it's been fun to have like a relaxing thing other than watching like mindless reality TV shows, which we do at nighttime, of course. Uh, playing games together is is something fun for the family. So. We should talk about the fact that T1 invested so early into Valorant. 
Brax, the first yeah. pro player signed. You've picked up some legends of the Counter-Strike scene as well. Skadoodle and Automatic, huge yeah. players in their own right. And Curry was a player who was rising on the NA scene of Counter-Strike when he decided to defect and Brax back in the day also at Counter-Strike player two. So tell me about why you think Counter-Strike players are, are coming to Valorant and what made you think that this lineup is the right one for T1? Yeah, I think, well, we're super fortunate with, with Curry because he's the, I think he's probably the youngest IGL in in the in the, in the the top tier teams at least. And, you know, we, he was at Texas A&M. He was in college at a great school and, you know, he's trying to make this work and, you know, moved him out to Cali and he's done a great job of, you know, meshing well with legends, like you said, like Skadoodle and, and, and Tim automatic, uh, those aren't like, those are like, you know, gods among men in terms of the gaming space. And, you know, to be able to, to, to lead them. And, you know, when I watch the matches, you know, I watch our, our team feed. So I'm hearing the comms and everything. And, you know, he's doing a fantastic job. And, um, I just think like, the, for the Counter Strike guys, it, it, you know, especially with COVID lockdown, it gave them an opportunity to like, hey, there's no CS:GO events happening. Like, what is what is this game up to? And it gave them a chance to like dip their toe in and see if they wanted to to make the switch uh, without really hurting themselves professionally because they weren't they weren't earning anything on the on the other game right at that point. But those that committed, I think, have done a really great job. I think eventually. The best player in Valorant will end up being a kid that only played Valorant. You know, very much like he's a, he might be 12, 13, or she might be 12, 13, 14, 15. Why do you think Valorant has become so popular? Because its esports scene did pretty much start from the get-go, or at least with kind of influencer tournaments and, and things like that. But it has really only been less than a year of a competitive scene. And yet it does seem to be everywhere. I think they built a game for gamers and, and for for a pro experience. And I think that just lends itself to like, if you build a good game, pros are going to migrate to that. Like guys that want to grind, because you have to grind the game out. You have to play and put the hours in and it's a fun game to play. It, it's rewarding when you do well. It, it punishes you when you're not doing well. Like you've seen top tier teams lose 13-0, right? Like that happens. And then you see them turn around and 13-0 the next map. Like, like, that is a game that is it, it giveth and taketh away, and I think it it, it gets players excited. Uh, and for the casual fan, it's it's very much like Call of Duty. Like you're not going to be a top tier pro, but you can have fun playing the game. You can get you know you can get maybe radiant. I don't know, but like you you enjoy it enough that you want to watch and like use your iron three skills and tell like Brax how he's playing, right? And like give your skill and analysis. And I think you know, having both of those components, you know, that the really enjoyable pro play but also the really good casual experience makes for a game that's going to last longer than the 10-year the cycle which games typically do that's why league of legends is kind of so plowing along and, and doing so well because they have that that good mix could it become as big as league of legends the valorant esports scene i think it could be bigger because fps is, is generally has a bigger player pool and i think you know from what i hear a lot of the a lot of the the user base is already bigger in most of the regions so it, I think it could be bigger in the sense of there's a bigger player base. Um, if you get the prize pools up to where they need to be, if you get a proper land where we're getting a 20,000 seater and do a tournament style, like let's see it. I think, I think it could be huge. Um, but right now I think league league is the top of the hill. It's going to be for the next few years, you know, so 
we'll see. But I would love to have more more entrance into the, like who's the better esport league Counter Strike or league Counter Strike Valorant. Like you know that that's what you want to see. You need the competition. Well, talking of competitions. How are you finding playing ranked games of Valorant? I I haven't even dipped into ranked. I only play unranked Valorant because I'm just too scared to have everyone ask me this question. But I'm being rude. I'm coming straight out and asking you about your rank and your experience. So in beta, I was silver one. And like, you know, then everyone else got keys to play the game. And I just quickly went back to my normal home of bronze. It's funny because like... It's very much like League of Legends in the sense that like the bronze and iron players are like trash talking you. It's like, dude, you're literally iron as well. Like we're all we're all down here in the iron pit of death and none of us are going pro. Like I remember playing a game of League of Legends and I'm terrible as we've described earlier. And the guy who was flaming me in chat was literally named T1 fan guy. I'm like, you're a fan of T1? He's like, yeah. I'm like, like if you only knew you were literally flaming me. In chat, I'm like, dude, like, why, why are you a fan of T1? Like, they're the best. I'm like, okay, well, I'll let them know. Like, I've never. It was like it was such a surreal experience getting flamed by a T1 fan in chat, which for me, I, it happens quite a bit online as well. They're they're very vocal. I love them. Um, but yeah, I just ranked is always going to be like the tryhards that think they're going to be Brax, and like you're you're not, you're not going to do it. And Iron, if you're with me in Iron you are closer to being out of the game than being Braxton. Like I just, or Skadoodle or any of the top tier pros. And I don't want to dash their dreams, but like, you know, Rocket League's available. That's a great game to play. Try it. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, is, is Mario Kart still a thing? You know, Kart Rider in Korea is a big deal. Like go drive the truck simulator. That's also a game. Like, FPS might not be your bag. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly sounds like you've got the right attitude. When it comes to new agents though, is it getting a little bit too confusing? Because when they added a couple of new agents recently, like when I was trying to pick up Astra, I was like, what is this description of her taking yeah. something from the sky and then it creating this field? And like, and then another agent I was looking at for ages and, and there was this really kind of detailed description. And then I, it took me about five minutes and then I went, oh, it's a flashbang. I don't understand why they don't just call it a flashbang, Joe. I can't lie. I'm I think look, I think it's very much built on lore and like their writers do a really great job of making complicated descriptions for a simple item like a flashbang. I worry that that's a bit of a barrier to entry also for casual players and viewers. To make it mainstream like for the casual viewer, there needs to be some like editor editorial and educational content of like explaining the who why and what of of the the agents in the maps and i think that will help not dumb it down but also like make the experience more enjoyable and i also think you need a better heads up display in terms of like the imagery of what you're seeing um you know a lot of the live streams and the events they've been okay but i think there's needs to be like a better kind of you know display to understand what you're looking at yeah in real time. definitely learning from kind of the overwatch experience as a viewer I think could be particularly helpful for them. So you did mention both PC and console titles for your list, Joe. What is your yeah. platform of choice now? Because back in the day it was consoles because that's all you had, but now you've got a whole world of platforms at your fingertips. PC, 100%. I just think it's a, it's a much better game experience. Unlimited potential in terms of the visuals, audio. Um, 
I wish the barrier to entry for PCs was a little bit better, but I think you're seeing a lot of infrastructure companies pop up. Europe has a great job there and in the States as well. Korea, it's the best, PC bong on every corner. Um, so I think the barrier to entry needs to be lowered to really get it to the masses. Um, you're starting to see more collegiate programs and high school programs in the States. Um, but yeah, no, nothing beats PC gaming experience. I mean, I love playing the Switch on long flights to Korea, but yeah, put me at a PC. Even though I'm not great, it's still fun and, and more visually appealing to to hammer away on the, on, on the uh, PC. With many champions and abilities to memorize, Valorant can seem very hard to new players, but with multiple communities and fan sites, agent and ability breakdowns are out there and fairly easy to find. Still in its early years, it is a great time to now get started with Valorant. And like every game, of course, practice does make perfect. Is there anyone out there, maybe they're a content creator or maybe there's a website that you find particularly useful, Joe? So we signed uh, a content creator named Flights out of Europe. He is probably one of the best uh, race players in the world. Like he was doing stuff that the pros weren't even doing. And he, he does some educational content on his streams uh, as well as his YouTube and our YouTube. Uh, so if you're a race player, like that's the guy to watch. I think the content creators can show you all the cool tricks. I think there's a lot of great ones out there as well. We're, we're actually still signing more Valorant content creators. We think it's a really good supplement, especially for our pros who like don't have the time to like do all that, you know, the fun stuff. Having someone like Flights or, or, or Grim, uh, one of our creators in the States, it's, it just makes it more fun for our fans to like engage with that content and like learn the game a little bit more and try it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Like people should check out a lot of the creators uh, to get some tips and tricks. For sure. Joe, why could Valorant potentially be the game that you save above all other games? Uh, I think for me, uh, one, sentimental value with playing with my daughter, uh, that's, that's, that's tough to beat. But also, too, I think from a professional standpoint, like that we got into the game first, that we, we did one of the first prize pool tournaments. From a business standpoint, we've been trying to like make a splash in the, in the scene and, and, and really kind of will it to like be pretty big pretty quickly. And I think it's done, Riot's done a great job with that. And I just think it's it's one of those games that it kind of come along every once in a while that can be a true proper esport. Uh, not every game is an esport; it doesn't need to be. Like Fortnite's not an esport, but you know this is a proper esport that uh, can be you know filling up stadiums when we get out of uh, get out of COVID lockdown. So I'm excited to see that. I like the shots fired there. Fortnite's not an esport. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go into that. Although, before I do get you to choose the game that you are going to save. Are there any other titles you would give an honorable mention to very quickly? Uh, I think Grand Theft Auto 5. I mean, someday six will come out while I'll be like 70 years old, but Grand Theft Auto 5, uh, I mean, it stood the test of time. It's still fun to play, even if it's mindlessly driving around town. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past uh, was pretty dope, but. I'm really into Breath of the Wild right now. I know I'm like 10 years late, but it's a fun game to play and I'm excited for the next one to come out, but those are a couple that I would pick. And then NCAA football, that whole franchise is coming back in 2023. Grew up playing that. Just that was always a game where I could have fun playing that. And I remember when we had we had babies and they wouldn't sleep. I'd have one on my shoulder. I'd just sit there and play a game. Uh, so yeah, that, that'd be the ones I would say. Well, Joe. The time has now come. You now have to choose one title, the one game above all others that you could not live without. Joe, are you ready to make this harrowing decision? I am ready. Joe Marsh, your official game to save for the Save Your Game podcast is... 
I'm going to save Valorant. We have our most recently published game entered. Thank you so much, Joe. If you out there listening agree or disagree with Joe's choice, then make sure you vote for which game you think Joe should have entered into the Red Bull Gaming podcast via the poll on at Red Bull Gaming's Twitter account. We do want to hear from you. Keep it nice. Keep it clean. But that is all for this week. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today and saving Valorant for the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Anytime I get to talk to you, Frankie, I'll take that opportunity. Oh, dude, it's a me- uh, we've got to jump into a game of Valorant together because it sounds like your daughter might be the next best thing. I, I want to check <laughs> her out. She's going to show me a thing or two. Deal. Yes, amazing. I love it. Now, if you out there have enjoyed the show, please make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast and feel free to leave us a review telling us which game you'd induct into the Red Bull Saviour Game podcast and why. Tell us who you main in Valorant at the same time. You can also get in touch with us via our socials at Red Bull Gaming with your thoughts, or you can get in touch with us at Red Bull Gaming using the hashtag Save Your Game Podcast. I've been Frankie Ward, and I will see you next time. We have no slogans like keep gaming or anything like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it, Joe. We'll work on it. Keep on keeping on, gamers. <laughs>